Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? All right, excellent. Sometimes I do this with the youth, but show me like with your thumbs where you're at, because I hear like a few people, good, you know, it doesn't really tell me anything. Here, 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 show me where your thumbs are at, everybody. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's more enthusiastic than I thought you guys would be, so that's awesome. Good. Well, here we go. Um, you know, as I was preparing this sermon, I, I wrote it and rewrote it and, and rewrote it again. I, I think I rewrote this sermon more than any other sermon I've ever preached before. And I was trying to come out, how do I talk about worship today. Like, I, I've preached on worship before, I've taught on worship before, but it's, but sometimes insinuating circumstances always cause you to see how that topic relates to where we are at, right? So at first I'm like, oh, I'm going to start strong, I'm going to be confident, I'm going to do these things, I'm going to say it this way. Um, I thought, oh, maybe an object lesson, that would be cool, I could like do some sort of a cool object lesson, that'll, that'll make the truth stick, right? And, and then I thought, I'm speaking on worship. What if I started off with just right off the hop, defining what worship is, right? And no matter what approach I came to, I just did not have, have like a piece about it. So I just want to start just be very honest and, and open that uh, it's been hard. been difficult. Okay, I'm going to start heavy and I'm going to get lighter as we go, okay? <laughs> so, this is not a reflection of the rest of my sermon. That's got to say, it's been hard. It's been hard wrestling with the fact that um, a close friend and uh, co-worker was uh, uh, admitted to the hospital, Pastor Ike, and praise God that he is at home, and he is recovering, and, and, and I know that you're watching. I know that we as a church love you profusely, and we are passionately praying for you, and we're excited about uh, your recovery, and we are also rejoicing over Pastor Annie. There's a lot of things to be excited about, but it's been hard, and I think that we have to be honest about those things. We have to see how biblical truth fits to where we are at. And, you know, we're looking around, we're looking at where the world is at, mass starvation, disruption to food production and supplies due to COVID-19 restrictions could cause more deaths from starvation than the disease itself, according to an Oxfam International report. Human trafficking. Robert Beiser, who is the Strategic An Initiatives Director of the Anti-Sex Trafficking Organization, Polaris, said... The coronavirus actually has created a climate for human traffickers to exploit the most vulnerable. A recent study conducted by his group found that uh, crisis trafficking uh, situations rose by 40% in April of this year compared to the numbers of 2019. Small businesses are shutting down in devastating numbers. The Canadian Federation of Independent Business 
uh, estimated earlier this year that 160,000 businesses across the country may permanently close due to COVID-19 restrictions. It now believes that the number would climb all the way up to 225,000 if restrictions persist. Elderly. The restrictions have left our elderly more vulnerable to both loneliness and abuse in our long-term care homes more now than ever before. And for some of us, it's become personal. The closest to us, colleagues, friends, and family have become divided um, over stances that, that, uh, that have been internalized and to the point of even putting um, positions over people. Uh, something as simple as, as going shopping now can be a, a dreaded experience for most. Uh, for many, because everywhere we look in our society, we can see that it is marred with a, a constant reminder of our times as we can no longer see faces anymore. And of course I could go on, but I think this morning we get the point. This is where we are at. This is where we are at as a society, as a human race, as a church. This is, this is a situation that has fallen on our laps. So I say, what better time to worship than now? In the Bible, the Greek word for worship is proskunio. It means to bring reverence to or to express great worth towards something. We cannot worship fully unless we are honest with where we are at physically, with where we are at mentally and spiritually. For many of us, we've internalized, we've kept it in, we've internalized this toxic atmosphere, the news, the restrictions, the division, and it has weighed heavy on our shoulders. There is no time better than now to remember John chapter 1 verses 45. Listen to this. In him was life. And the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome it church. When we worship, we keep our focus. We keep our focus on the one who has overcome the darkness that we see in the world today. Christ did not die on the cross so that we could be overcome with fear. John chapter 16, 33. Sorry, I'm just... If nothing else, I'm just going to shower us with scripture and let God do the speaking. John 16, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. As we worship fully, as we worship fully, our circumstances they may not change, but our heart changes. You become transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then suddenly through worship, church, our anxiety is replaced with peace. And our fears are replaced 
with joy. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you so much that in any circumstance, your call to salvation, your call to worship are always there. We may lose connections here on earth. We may feel distant to organizations, institutions, maybe even people. But our connection to you lays firm, and that never changes. Help us to never lose sight of that hope, Heavenly Father. And may that hope be made new again in us as we re-explore what it means to, to draw close to you, Heavenly Father. To draw close to your promises, to draw close to your truth. The things that never change, policies change, regimes change, politics change, everything changes. But God, you are the one thing that will not change. Your love remains steadfast for us and help us to remain in that this morning. May you receive every single ounce of glory. Pray these things in your name. Amen. With all the restrictions existing in the world today, it's encouraging to know that other churches still allow other pastors to come in and preach. I was invited to preach at a church that will remain unnamed, uh, but I felt actually quite refreshed knowing that other churches are exploring the same situations we are, struggling with the same things, and we are in this together. It was a beautiful reminder of that. Um, the sound guy walked up to me before I went up. And he gave me my lapel mic. I like handheld mics because there's less things that are attached to me. But they gave me their lapel mic. So I decided to hit two birds with one stone. So I would put this on in the washroom. So I went to the washroom. And um, I made a mistake whereby I ran it through my shirt, clipped it on, and... Um, before I had done up my pants completely. I, uh, everything went according to plan, everything went good. Uh, had an incredible service, uh, was great reconnecting with people. And after the service, after I'm done preaching, I would wait at the back, and at the back they would sing one more worship song, and after the worship song then everyone would leave and I would um, bless everybody verbally as they, as they left the, the church. And as I'm waiting back there, I'm singing with them, and then a thought came into my head. I could get rid of my microphone now, and I'll have to worry about forgetting it later. So I unclipped it from my shirt, and I, I ran it down. And uh, to my horror, I realized I had accidentally run it through the fly of my pants. I immediately began to panic as the song came to a close and started pulling out the wire. I felt like Mr. Bean there for a bit. The ushers didn't quite know what to do with me. Uh, this long wire hanging out of my pants, and suddenly the song ends. So I take all of the wire, and it was long. I don't know why you would need a 20-foot wire. I'm shoving it into my pants frantically. And then everyone got up, you know, blessing them as they went by. And then uh, after the last person left, the sound guy comes over to me. He looks down at my belt line. I'm going to need that. 
So I excused myself into the washroom and properly detached the microphone from my pants. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. I told this story to the staff, and then Pastor Annie said, only you, Pastor Peter. Ah. <sighs> Jesus has given me the spiritual gift of foolishness sometimes. Anyways, through this time, we need to recognize that we are not alone. We are not an isolated uh, event here, and it's encouraging to know that there are other churches who stand with us. We're all praying for each other, trying to navigate through all of this stuff. And none of us are all going to make all the right decisions. We need to come to terms with that. We need to come to terms with the fact that... um, that we are processing things differently. And that is why we need to remind ourselves of what worship truly is. Because worship brings us together. Unfortunately, culture has diluted much of worship to represent a, a segment of, Sunday, of a Sunday morning service. An entire genre of music has been dedicated to the word worship. To represent Christian soft rock or alternative. And then, although we can worship through music, it is only a small part of a much grander um, force. I want to read to you a quote by Archbishop William Temple that sums it up so beautifully. He said this, Worship is the submission of all of our nature to God. It is the quickening of the conscience By his holiness, the nourishment of mind with his truth, the purifying of imagination by his beauty, the opening of the heart to his love, the surrender of will to his purpose. All this gathered up in adoration. The most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable. I love that definition. All of this gathered up in adoration. So what is worship? Worship can be divided into two different elements, two different channels, two different sections. The first one being inner essence of worship and then outer acts of service. A basis can be found for this scripturally in in the book of Matthew, chapter 15, verse 8, where it says, uh, where Jesus says, These people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You need both of those things. For Jesus, worship means nothing if there's no heart element. You need that heart element. You can give, you can get the nicest gaming controller available to video games, but without a console, it is completely worthless. You can get the nicest tires from Cal Tire, but if you do not have a vehicle to put them on, you're not going anywhere. Inner essence. Inner essence. But what do I mean when I say the word essence? Essence. Um, John chapter 4, 23, 24 says this. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and, and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is. Uh, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth, okay? So to worship God in inner essence is to worship God in spirit and to worship him in truth. Basically, that means we, 
we now have a grasp of who God is. We have to understand who, who he is. What is his identity? God is truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, verse 6. Truth matters and has never been so important to discern our times and to understand who God is. Scripture says that God spoke everything into existence according to Genesis chapter 1. God spoke into existence. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. With his breath, with God's breath, he coded 100 billion nerve cells or neurons into our brain, into our mind. These nerve cells resemble microscopic trees. We have 100 billion of them. God spoke them into existence inside of us. Each one of these 100 billion microscopic trees can grab up to 200,000 branches. You know what that means? That means that that, that converts to um, 300 million years of space to build memories in our brains alone. As you are listening and watching this sermon, your brain is, is processing at 400 billion actions per second, according to the cognitive neuroscientist Carolyn Leaf. And we are just barely scratching the surface in neuroscience. The Milky Way galaxy, basically our neighborhood in outer space. This is our neighborhood. This is the galaxy we belong to. Did you know how big it is? 105,700 light years. That's how big our neighborhood in outer space is. 105,700 light years. That means if you're traveling at the speed of light, it would take you 105,000 years to go from one end of our galaxy to the other end. The speed of light is the, the time it takes for the light to leave a light bulb to reach your eyes. That is 300,000 kilometers per second, not mile. 300,000 mile, uh, sorry, kilometers per second. It's just unbelievable. So it would take you, if you could go the speed of light, which you could not, the G-force would give you infinite weight. You would turn into a pancake. But if you could travel that speed, it would take you 105,000 years. You could go around the earth seven and a half times at that speed, by the way. That is how big our God is. And I'm going to show you a picture of uh, the other galaxies. That's just our galaxy. These are all the other ones. Those aren't just stars. Those are actual galaxies. I'm just talking about one. They predict there could be billions of them. That is how powerful our God is. That's how epic he is. And amidst his epic, unfathomable potential, he thought of you and he thought of me somewhere inside his vast array of creative artwork. Just want to put this into perspective for us here this morning. Psalm chapter 139, verse 13. Get this. You 
For, for you formed my inward parts, speaking to God. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. The same God who created all of these galaxies in our universe took the time to intricately wire your brain to create you so that you could be here in time and space together with us at Deer Run Church. Can we just acknowledge this morning that God is powerful? Once you can identify God with his colossal capability, his unmatched grace, and his infinite wisdom, you experience a sense of pure reverence, a, uh, a holy fear. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. And when this happens, you then begin to place the right value upon God's name. Worshiping in essence. This is your starting point. This is to which everything, this is the heart that everything else bleeds from. So many Christians jump to the gun and refer to God as oh, Abba Father or, or co-worker or, or friend. But these relational titles are mere shadows without first seeing God as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the ultimate creating, all-knowing, all-powerful, Alpha and the Omega. Attributing this worth to God is the fuel that runs our engine of worship. Which leads me to my next part. Because now after you achieve this, what now? Well, now, naturally... If you internalize this truth and understand how powerful God is and how loving he is to you, the natural reaction is just to have a response as a result of that revelation. You can't hold in that type of excitement, this reality, and you respond in praise and worship. The joy of who God is and his love to you, it, it bubbles up and over through singing, through praise, through acts of love as we live out God's mission here in the world. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 to 16. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Sacrifices were quite significant to the readers back in first century, okay? Um, to the readers at this time, um, they were well aware of the fact that, you know, up until now, before Jesus, they needed to um, give sacrifices as a form of, of worship to God. Jesus was the last sacrifice uh, that, was, that was needed. It was the sacrifice that canceled out the need to continue that practice of sacrificing animals to atone for the sin of the people. Now we are told that, that we sacrifice elements of our life in love as we offer, not animals, but now our thoughts, our words, and deeds to spread the hope that is within us and to do it with gentleness and respect. So a question I have for us this morning, dear Unchurch. Speaking of sacrifice, what could you lay at the foot of the cross 
in worship? What could we lay at the foot of the cross in worship? What has burdened you to the point of stealing your worship? Disrupting your connection? Holding you back from fully worshiping God? What do you need to commit to the cross in order to live in freedom? There's a lot of talk about freedom these days, and the pursuit of freedom is a very, very noble thing for us to pursue. Absolutely. Um, but physical freedom is useless without spiritual freedom. Physical freedom is useless if we don't have spiritual freedom. Some people with the most freedom in the world are people who live behind bars of prison cells who've accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Because they see physical freedom in light of their spiritual freedom. Um, in Louisiana, there's a uh, prison, Angola um, State Penitentiary, uh, once noted to be the most dangerous prison, the worst prison of all time. Um, Burl Kane became the warden, I believe, in the early 90s and completely changed the culture from within the, the prison by introducing uh, Judeo-Christian uh, values, okay? Pretty amazing story. If you ever get a chance to uh, look into that, there's a lot of really cool material about that. But in there, there was a man, uh, an inmate that was being interviewed, and he said that uh, I may spend the rest of my life in this prison, but make no mistake, I am free. And some of these prisoners are trying to do missions to the outside world. <laughs> get that. We're sending pastors inside of these prisons. There are prisons out there that are like trying to do missions to us, right? What a beautiful reminder. It becomes uncomfortably obvious that worship is not just an event that we attend, but a lifestyle that we take on wherever we go. Now, this is a problem for many believers who think that the doing church, that the act of going to church is good enough for God. That in somewhat twisted way that the act of prayer is enough for God. That the act of reading scripture, that the act of getting involved in certain things is good enough for God. That's not true. Hypocritical followers, lukewarm believers, Sunday Christians lack the essence of worship. They don't truly believe who God is. It is not possible to have a meaningful worship experience if you, if you have an empty heart. In these unprecedented times, it's a challenge to avoid getting anxious, overwhelmed by world events that are, that are coming at us like bullets from a machine gun of negativity. Some of our hearts have responded in anger, anger at the system that we cannot control, anger at leaders, anger at uh, people with opposing positions. Now, there's a time for righteous anger. Absolutely. And, mu and much of uh, righteous anger can be justified. But anger can very quickly overtake your heart, and anger can turn into a toxic element. Many of us are experiencing fear. We're looking around, and we're experiencing fear. Fear from falling ill. Fear knowing that so much of what is going on in the world is completely out of our control. And this leaves us looking at our future and having a sense of uncertainty that is very unsettling. 
So I want to read a little bit from Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. Daniel is from a, a Daniel in the Old Testament. Um, we got Nebuchadnezzar. To give you a bit of a timeline, Nebuchadnezzar was born in about uh, 630 B.C., okay? He was the king of Babylon, and he made an image of gold. And he created a mandate that everyone needed to worship this image of gold. All of the satraps, the, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, and the magistrates, and all of the officials of the provinces were summoned together to help kick this off um, in, in idolatry worship. In verse 6, we find out the punishment for anyone who refuses to comply to this worship. And this is, it says, uh, verse 6, And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as the people heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, uh, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Three young Jewish men by the names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego defied the call to bow down and worship this idol. They were threatened that, that if they did not obey the call to obey, uh, if they did not obey the call to, to worship, that they would be thrown into this massive furnace. So I'm going to take off... Um, at verse 16, and this is their reply to, uh, to this invitation. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods of worship, the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the uh, furnace overheated, the, flames, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men bound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And, and the appearance of a fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came to the door of the burning, fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors 
gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of the men. The hair of their heads was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed. And no smell of fire came upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their god. I am astonished at, at the reply from these three guys to a, a tyrannical threat of death. They said, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fire furnace, and he would deliver us out of your hand, O king. But, and I find this very fascinating, but if not, be it known to you, O king, that, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. It's important to recognize that God does possess the power to deliver us from any type of grim circumstance in our life. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, our obedience and love and grace is not hinged upon the guarantee of safety. God's mission continues, and our call to worship continues with it. What that looks like may be a different conversation. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were still tossed into the fire. However, I find it fascinating that God's angel, God's presence was with them in the fire. He could have very well like called a huge eagle, you know, the, the one from like Lord of the Rings and just swept them in. Oh man, they weren't even burned. Whew, that was a close one. Instead, their obedience led them, okay, we're just gonna, we're just gonna go. But we know in our hearts, God is God and kings of this earth are still kings of this earth. During times of unrest and uncertainty, it's natural to be tempted to doubt or question God's plan for our life. But it is a part of spiritual maturity that we trust in God, that we trust in Him. God is calling us to take Him at His word when He says at the end of Matthew chapter 28 in the Great Commission where He said, I will be with you always, even till the end of the age. God has not exited out of this narrative. John chapter 1, 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among uh, and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. There's no guarantee that hardships are not going to come our way. But if, if we trust God, we worship him fully. In essence, and through outer acts of service, we can experience a comfort, a peace, a joy, and get perseverance as we are refined, refined by the fires of life. If we are to make it out of this in one piece, church, we're to come out of this furnace in one piece, it will be through worshiping together in these flames. 
worshiping puts Christ in the middle, not our circumstances. Christ in the middle, not our circumstances. This morning, let's be still for a moment and acknowledge God is in control. And when we choose this radical approach to worship, we are gently reminded why we believe and then we gain the strength to face another day. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we have this beautiful promise that you are with us always and you have called us to worship. You've called us to, to trust you when things don't, when things seem dire, when things seem just heavy and depressing and toxic. God, you are there in our midst. Right now we want to pray for our church as we continue to navigate through the, the end of 2020. God, help us to finish well. Help us to, in the midst of things, to, to put you first and to put this mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers still in our, in our sights. Help us to, to love you more passionately and pray more fervently than we've ever prayed before. God, we are going to have a prayer meeting here at church this Tuesday at 7 o'clock. And God, I just pray that you would move in our congregation, that you would continue to do the healing that is needed in our communities, both physically, mentally, and Lord, spiritually, because we need it, God. We are calling on you to rain down your, your love, your wisdom, to show us that you are in control. We pray these things in your name.